This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another episode of Inspirational People. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I get the opportunity of introducing you to a talented speaker, a creative trainer, and the improv podcaster, Jim Carwish. Jim, say hello. Hello. Hello to you. Improv Jim and I originally met via Twitter after he posted a doodle of Andy Stanley's sermon. I reached some, somehow reached out to each other and subsequently ended up having coffee, but really it was tea. I don't remember if you know what you drank, but I drank tea. Did you drink coffee? No, I drank tea because you were drinking tea. Uh, yeah. So we drank some tea. Uh, after a couple hours, we said, let's move this to lunch. And we went to Willie's Mexican Grill for a few more hours and took uh ended up being a half a day uh meeting getting to know each other and Mm -hmm. forge a friendship that would seemingly endure the most troublesome of relational disputes at the time jim was making his transition from corporate america to entrepreneur we participated in a freelancer's mastermind blogging challenges many movie and tv discussions including the latest star wars movies and have remained good friends until he moved away several years ago to the city of rome georgia Mm -hmm. Since then, we've been distant enemies, poking and prodding at each other, um, hoping that one day we could become friends again. Uh, Jim harvests the brains of my friends. I send him seasoning to, to make it taste a little better. Um, in addition to bring, being that brain harvester, Jim is also a trainer, a coach, and a gamification experiential facilitator. Somehow, he uses those to harvest the brains of others. Anyways, Jim, tell us about you, your story, and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Jason. That was a great intro. Um, I think we should probably clarify uh, okay. for the listeners. Um, I don't actually consume the brains of those you send to me. Okay. Uh, oftentimes, there are people that are in need of some help. Okay, so you just collect you collect them and store them in like vials? I don't actually take their brains out of their heads. I do okay. help them help them to kind of straighten it out. I do what's called narrative coaching. Okay. So um, I have help them to examine what's in their brain. Okay, so it's kind of like in Futurama where they can still talk. Is that what you mean? That's it. Sure. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> they can still talk. I put them in machines and they, they are robot bodies. Yeah. So are you going to tell everyone why you left me? So I uh, moved closer to uh, I moved closer to family, and I and I know I caused a rift with this, Jason. It was very very difficult and hard. It was hard for me too. It's hard for me too. Um, no, I moved to to Rome to be closer to family, and I started to do uh, most of the work that I was doing down in Atlanta. I started to do more virtually. My original intention was uh, to go virtual so that I could help people outside of Atlanta. But what ended up happening was it made it easy for me to move to Rome, and then in a really weird way. I was very prepared for this coronavirus yeah, it's, crisis. It's almost like you were building a transition plan to the new normal without knowing that this was going to be the yeah, new normal. I had no idea. So when they said, we need help, people people started reaching out to me for stuff that I never have consulted on before. Like, uh, hey, none of us are any good at working together on Zoom. Can you help us? And I was like, yeah. sure I can. I've been doing it almost exclusively since last yeah. October. So, so, So it almost seems like, the opportunities that people might have 
maybe they were there, but mentally they just mm-hmm. couldn't get there. Now they've been forced to sort of change their mentality. And now yeah. all of a sudden you've got these new opportunities. Is that, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And what's interesting is I've been keeping up with different people in my life and how they're working. And there are some companies that refute, they adamantly said, we will not allow you to work from home. That will never be a part of our culture. We have to work in person. And people would kind of push back on it and they would just kind of hold their ground. And then this happened and they had to work from home. And suddenly everybody's like, wait, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not I doing I have... a two hours drive into work. <laughs> All that extra time saved. Yeah. And, and the research showing that in a lot of cases, they're, they're actually more, people are more productive when they yeah. work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have a client and they, they wouldn't work, let people work from home if, you know, if, if there was a nuclear fallout, you know, and all of a sudden yeah. everyone's working from home. <laughs> so. My dad is working for a Japanese company uh, as a computer programmer right now. And he's okay. finishing up, um, he's in his mid sixties. He's finishing up uh, before he retires. Yeah. And what's really interesting is, is the Japanese company is sticking to their guns and they aren't mm-hmm. letting people work from home. And it's okay. a very interesting kind of a, uh, they work for a factory, they manufacture things okay. and everything just changing around my dad and, you know, people are wearing masks at work and they're social distancing, but at the same time they're using the same bathrooms and they're, Mm. you know, so it's, it's a very confusing thing to stick it out and to stay at work. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And I know some companies that haven't, they have never stopped going in um, Mm -hmm. even, even before when we had the shelter in place. So, so, but before we dive into kind of those ideas and questions, tell us about you and how you got to where you are today. Well, uh, there's a concept in improvisation called yes and, which is the acceptance of whatever it is that's happening around you. Mm -hmm. And so when there's an opportunity and uh, assuming that you actually have the skill sets, you have the talent, whatever is needed to be able to to do the thing that uh, there's an opportunity for, I've just always been one to just grab it. Right. Mm. And so I started out doing just different jobs uh, as I, uh, I went to college specifically for communication. Yeah. I was in a program that allowed me to study theater, radio, television, um, yeah. music, those types of things. And once I got out, I just kept taking opportunities in kind of almost just a haphazard way of, of that seems very interesting. It's an opportunity. I don't know where it will lead me. Yeah. And over time, what I found was, uh, all of these experiences have kind of combined like one plus two takes you to three, one, two, and three take you to four. Uh, the skill sets that I would learn from a, one of these, uh, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurial ventures or acting in a show or, um, yeah. you know, taking a, an admin job at a, at a company, whatever skill sets I would gain would seemingly be very appropriate for the next opportunity that I had. Yeah. So I've worked my way through, you know, I worked a little bit in uh, PR. I worked in finance. I've mm-hmm. worked uh, running a theater. I've done all sorts of different things until eventually I got to the place where I started to apply all of my improv training to teams okay. and to helping to facilitate meetings, helping to helping to make um, companies work better together, uh, and then that led me to where I am today, which is splitting my time between facilitation and training and coaching. So I do a lot of virtual coaching now. I work with people one on one. They're able to get to me very quickly because they don't have to drive anywhere or come down to the front desk of their office and let me in and go to lunch and get lunch order and sit down. Like all that time that would normally be spent, like in the preamble of, of a session is just, we just get on and we get started. And when it's time for them to go to their next meeting, they can just 
you know, you click to, right yeah. on over to the next one. So the quality of the work has, has been incredible. Um, how much people are needing coaching right now is, is staying up. I worried a, a bit, of course, as soon as the quarantine hit, I immediately was like, well, I wonder if I'll be the first thing that people say, you know, that's, that's a bit extravagant to have a coach right now. It's a bit, um, it's a bit of yeah. an expense. Everybody's mm-hmm. questioning what's going to happen next. Should I really have one? And it hasn't really, it hasn't yeah. really affected me. The people that made the choice to um, stick with coaching mm-hmm. have, have, um, yeah, yeah, if they are, if they value it, the value doesn't go away just because in fact, it, it could, it could actually enhance it because it's like mm-hmm. when you, when we're stressed and emotional and having trouble, it's even harder to, to have clarity and, and thus the value of a coach. Yeah. You know yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then I guess how does, you know, so you've taken these sort of two disparate things, you know, train corporate training or coaching and then performance and acting mm-hmm. and improv and infuse them together to create this Frankenstein, which probably ties into yes. why you eat brains. So That's tell right. us about That's that. Cause Frankenstein <laughs> ate brains. This is, Oh, Murray Shelley. It was okay. his son. His son ate brains. Oh, his son ate brains. Cool, cool, cool. All right, that's great. Um, so yeah, so uh, basically what I've been for most of my life is um, in my Enneagram, I am a two with a wing okay. of three, a little bit of a wing of three, not a really intense three. And so I'm a helper. I am really good at listening. I come up uh, alongside people and I figure out where they're at. I listen really carefully. Um, I usually ask them clarifying questions to figure out where it is they're trying to go, unlock things within themselves. And this is something that has been true for pretty much my whole life. It hasn't yeah. really changed that much. It just, I shift my medium, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in theater and in improv, um, I was working with people very, very similarly. Um, as a director of theater, I was working similarly. As an improv coach, I was working similarly, just aligning myself with people. Facilitating uh, trainings is yeah. very, very, very much the same. Like, how do yeah. I align myself with your team? How do I align myself with the individual? How do I ask the right questions? So yeah. coaching and narrative coaching have been it really just became a no brainer and all I needed was clients and you kind of uh, had a big influence on that. Um, a few of the people that you sent my way uh, had a big influence on how much of that type of work that I took. Cause I was keeping a very small portion of my time for coaching. And yeah. then we kind of opened that up by you sending me more people. And because I opened it up, it, <laughs> it opened up wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So now it's more, more of a, a larger piece of the mm-hmm. pie and, and that is. gives you a diversification of income, which is, which is great. So, which is fantastic. So, take take your expertise of dissecting our brains, mm. and tell us about this crisis. So, we're in the middle of this unexpected. Well, depends on I guess where you come from, but for most of us, it was generally off the radar, and then all of a sudden, it changed our lives and work dramatically across the board. Yeah. How should we be looking at this? And is there something that improv can help us in terms of? how we see the situation and how we adapt. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a big um, part of me being a helper and also Mm -hmm. being an improviser is I was, I've I've always been very aware of the people that are in the room and how are they feeling? How are Mm -hmm. they, how are they interacting with one another? Right. And so I'm the type of guy that if I stop, uh, I'm not paranoid. I'm not the kind of guy that if I stop at a gas station, I think I'm going to get jumped by somebody, but I am the kind of person that would just kind of gaze around as I'm pumping my gas and look and see like, 
where are the people and where are they heading and what's going on and oh that person's mm. having a bad day and so when we shifted into this um my awareness became kind of an att- a positive attribute yeah. for thinking through if i'm going to go to the store what does it mean so before they even were telling us you know here's what social distancing means yeah. right i was thinking th- my way through these these situations well if we get too close to each other if we shake hands if we do these mm-hmm. different things so um so i think uh, a big part of what improv can do uh is the acceptance portion right in improvisation we don't quarrel we don't bicker we just accept the truth of whatever it is the other person believes we build on top of it and we move forward together lifting each other up okay and i see where people could be uh, very aware of what's going on and they could be very accepting many people right now are doing quite the opposite either they're fighting against it demeaning it uh, saying it's a big hoax whatever it is and uh I think that to go to either end of the spectrum, to be holed up in your house, never to see the light of day again is an extreme. Yeah. And to go out and have a big party because you think this is all just a ridiculous prank yeah. is the extreme. And so I was, able to, I was able to look at it and say, okay, here's my risk. Here's my family's risk. Mm-hmm. Here's the risk of the people at work. How do I manage this? And how do I help others to think through this process? Yeah, so yeah, that's good. That's, that's been a good and, bit. And I think... Um, I guess when you think about the idea of it's not just about us, Mm. it's not just about me, um, but it's about the people that I live with. It's around my neighbors. The the effects of our decisions are very explicit right now. Right. So would you, is there anything you would say to that? Yeah. um, I, I think it, it's a time that many people are learning either the easy way or the hard way to uh, check their own selfishness, their own narcissism, mm-hmm. to check their own um, self-importance. And yeah. I know I'm just giving a lot of synonyms here. <laughs> the, I, I, think it's, I think people are realizing when they take something too lightly or when they take something too heavily, what impact that has on those around them, right? Yeah, um, yeah there's, a, there's a great quote that kind of reminds me of what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, I, the quote is, reality is that which when you stop believing it in it doesn't go away. Mm. that's really good we should totally know who said that right (laughs) yeah we we don't but it's really good but Uh, yeah that's exactly you're that acceptance i think there is a bit of resisting situation resisting mm -hmm. reality or deny in in denial of it or um whatever that whatever the emotion is or just you know what it is it is there but i'm just gonna you know I'm just going to will my way through it, you know, in the sense that it's not going to affect me. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, but it is interesting to see those dynamics play out and how we respond in different ways. The quote, Jason, and it's not that I wasn't listening to you. I was listening and typing at the same time. The quote was by Philip K. Dick, a sci-fi writer. Um, He wrote that in a, in I hope I shall arrive soon. And the quote was reality is that which when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. So, Tell us, how do we live better and work smarter in, in this reality if we embrace it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, embracing, uh, embracing the virtual. So I just, uh, with my uh, friend, Allison Gilmore, um, she's the owner of Do More Improv, and I do a lot of work with her yeah. uh, facilitating improv um, trainings. And we did a video not too long ago about uh, Zoom fatigue and how people are trying to do everything 
or okay. they are trying to, you know, they're, they're not doing anything at all. They're, they're, most people are overloading their brains mm-hmm. with, uh, so, so I'll just give a, I'll, I'll get, we'll, we'll spend two seconds on this. I won't do an yeah. entire uh, video with it, but um, there are two things happening when you're looking at a screen that is filled with all of your teammates from work in a gallery view where it's almost like the Brady Bunch setup. Yeah. The first thing is, is that suddenly everyone has equal importance and you're trying to take in all of these people at the same time when you're in gallery mm-hmm. view. But at the same time, you're not getting all of their body language because most of us are cut off at the shoulders. Uh, okay, yeah. So we lose information that we would normally rely on when we're communicating with one another. Posture yeah. in the seat, way of using hands, how your hands are folded, tapping your finger like you're nervous. You can't see any of that in the mm. video. Yeah. But at the same time, you're taking in all of these people. So you're both exhausting yourself from too much information while your brain is trying to fill in information that you mm. don't have. Yeah. And so our brains just get completely taxed. So after a couple of Zoom meetings in a row, we feel like we've done six hours or eight hours of regular meetings. Okay. And, and do you think, it, like we're a one-on-one right here, I assume it's not quite the the severity that it would be in a group. Exactly. Right? So yeah. part of the part of the advice that we gave in that video was uh, stick yourself in speaker view instead of in gallery view, right? Just look at the people as they're speaking, see mm-hmm. them. And so what you're doing with me right now is a one-on-one situation. And the reason I'm not exhausted at the end of the day is that most of my client work is one-on-one coaching. And so we're able to just, uh, we're able to just See the other person. It's a nice big view. If I ask them to, then they can adjust their camera a little bit and sit back and relax. I can say, I can say, Hey, I know you're in an office chair, but you know what? Why don't, while we talk, you just put your feet up, relax, just shift your camera to where we can see each other, but you get, you get to a comfortable place and suddenly, uh, we're not holding ourselves to that type of Mm -hmm. uh, perfection. Another part of it is, is that, um, the camera, a lot of people see themselves and, that exhausts them as well. When they see their own image in the screen, they start to monitor themselves and their own activities. And so now your brain is doing yet another thing that you would never yeah. think to do. Yeah. And put on yeah. top of that, all of the work that we're already doing and how we're using mm-hmm. our brains anyway, <laughs> you can see how people get to the end of their day and they're just completely burned. Yeah. Well, but it also sounds like a lot of people are, are doing Zooms all day long all the time. Yes. And mm-hmm. I guess um, that that's another problem is it's like, well, should the whole meeting thing should this be a meeting even to mm-hmm. begin with right and then and then whether there should be a zoom meeting and whether this should be um just another form maybe even just i mean would you even advise that sometimes you just do a phone call instead of a zoom it's a it's such a relief if you um if you're in a meeting and you're feeling a little bit tense if you're just taking a moment for yourself and you recognize wow i've been talking with bob here for 20 minutes and i'm feeling kind of stressed my day feels like i'm getting really worn out I'm just going to ask Bob if we can just both turn off our cameras, not hang up and get on uh, the phone, but just turn off our cameras. And and suddenly, oh, okay. I just feel like I'm just focusing on his voice. We can do that, right? So there are meetings, just like you said, this this doesn't need to be a meeting. It could have been an email. In this world, it's why do we need to see each other's faces for this particular conversation? It's not like we're trying to pick up on nonverbal cues. We all all agree on this. We're all lighthearted about it. Why take in everybody's visual? Right. Yeah. But this well, deliberation I, is different because we're, we're, there is a little bit of anim- animosity. We want to be able to read the other person. Right. Yeah. So that needs a zoom camera. The other one doesn't. Yeah. So do you think part of it is, is also a stamina thing in the sense that for me, I've been, I've been working from home for a while. And I've been doing this type of thing mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I, I think you have as well. 
Um, I, I, this crisis wasn't, it didn't make this a new thing for me. It was just an, another day to day for me. So do you think yeah. a lot of it is, is people don't necessarily have the stamina to do this. And so all of a sudden they're having to do it all the time and they're just, they're just not prepared in phys, you know, physically or mentally to do that. Yeah. Yeah. When I think stamina, um, I, I think, uh, so the, the two ways that I think about stamina, one is, can you run a long distance, right? That mm-hmm. kind of stamina, like, can you keep going? But the other is, do you run it all? Right. And if you're new to running, then there's going to be a complete difference here. So like if you've got really good lung capacity from doing something else and then you switch over to running, that doesn't necessarily make exactly the same. So um, when I think about how long people can go, I imagine that uh, they probably could have done the same meetings in the room with each other and the newness and the over the, the overabundance of data and information and the distractions and all the people in the houses. Yeah. I think in that case, yeah, it's, it, they don't have the, they're not used to it. They don't have the stamina to yeah. be able to run through a full day. Okay. So that was so, a long way to be me working all the way around back to <laughs> what I should have just said is yes, I, I agree with you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of an idea. That's a, some insight on how to work smarter. Mm-hmm. What about living better? What does that mean on the, the personal side of things? One of my favorite things, and, and I know it seems weird to be talking about favorite things in a, a, uh, in, in a crisis like this, right? It's, yeah. it's difficult to focus on the positive because you keep being reminded of the negatives, but that's just a part of how I, how I exist. I like to look at yeah. what I can be grateful for in, in the existing circumstance. And so I see people who've been hiding from themselves mm-hmm. they've been hiding from mm-hmm. their family members they've been hiding from like before the crisis or as yeah, a result yeah. of the crisis no but before they 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 weren't paying as much attention to their body because they could that uh, what's my health like what's my sleep pattern like what's all this like well it doesn't matter i gotta get up i gotta get to work right go 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 and so a lot of people who are home now who don't have that distraction um they're realizing, wow, you know what? I spent an hour today with my kid that I probably wouldn't have normally spent with them. Mm. That was really, that was really good for me. It was good for them. I feel less stressed uh, about my interactions with them because I'm actually more used to them. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more in tune with them. I'm more interesting. Um, hmm. uh, I'm more accepting of their behavior. Um, so my uh, my uh, experience uh, in salvation, my my specific story. Um, was uh, very similar. I was in South Dakota and um, I knew all about Christianity. I knew all about what people had said, but I ended up uh, by myself in an attic with the flu in winter in South Dakota in (laughs) in some stranger's house. There was no telephone. There was no TV. There wasn't mm. anything, and that was when I first appreciated what it was to be just alone mm. and not have anything else to lean on or to preoccupy your mind with. Yeah. So I see quarantine as being kind of similar. We we don't have as many things um, to go and look at, right? Yeah. And so when the kid is right there, or when you know, your wife is right there. It's, it, you know, seeing them, listening to them, it's an opportunity. doesn't mean you're going to take it. You could still just do nothing but watch Netflix all day and completely yeah. ignore your family if you wanted to. But I'm <laughs> seeing people accepting these opportunities. Yeah. Some of them are, are unemployed, but instead mm-hmm. of being completely depressed about the unemployment, 
they have chosen instead to div- dive into this opportunity with their families and do things that they've yeah. never, never done before or don't do as much as they should. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, how can we how can we help others? How can we help them to encourage them, to inspire them, whether it is our kids or it is a friend or it is someone that lost their job or it is someone whose business is closed or, mm-hmm. or it is someone who's doing really well? You know, how can we help others um, through this season here? My advice is always to ask really good questions and then mm-hmm. listen and be really, really attentive. And if you're, if you're talking to somebody who's quarantined with you in your house, really be there for them and be open to listening to things that they might not want to bother you with. They wouldn't have brought it up if you hadn't asked. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of stuff going on in their minds right now and a lot of fears and a lot of um, strange types of concerns and irrational uh, what ifs going on in their heads. And if they don't say them out loud or if they don't have some way to, to vent that, they, you know, it, it can cause you kind of st- to go stir crazy. Yeah. Um, the same thing with people who are alone. I, I encourage people right now, think of somebody who's in your life that um, you haven't, maybe, maybe you haven't even considered it, but because of coronavirus and quarantine, they are by themselves almost all the time with no roommates, no anybody. Check in on Check, yeah. check in on that person, right? Yeah. Um, and why? Uh, why? What if someone's like, well, why should I do that? Yeah. I, th- I think <laughs> that, I, I believe anyway, that deep down, this is really, everything that we do is really about lifting everybody up, right? Mm-hmm. We're all supposed to be lifting each other up. And in certain circumstances, we can convince ourselves mm-hmm. that something else is really the thing we should be aiming for. Like, it, no, it's just about money. No, it's mm. just about s- stability and supporting yeah. my family. No, it's just about this. Right. But, but I really believe that um, we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. We, we're uh, community is very important. And uh, if we don't figure out a way to come out ahead on community and connectedness because of this, we're going to come out behind mm. when we, when we all come out, right. There are a lot of ways we're going to come out behind. When, yeah. we, when we all reemerge after this, but there are many ways that we could come out ahead if we focus on connectedness, right? Yeah. So if you don't have much practice in empathy and you know that that's a weakness of yours, this is the perfect opportunity to practice empathy, to practice mm. con- connectedness and compassion, yeah. to open up your mind to things other than the rat race. I know, people, mm-hmm. I know, I know nobody says rat race anymore, but <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a term from my from my youth. Yeah. Well, it, it was a movie and they remade the movie and they were both really funny. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Everybody go watch that movie. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, this is a situation where I think we can see um, our, you know, people be really selfish or people be really selfless. Mm-hmm. And so what would you, how would you, um, how would you help? What would you say to us to help navigate that? Cause we could be trying to help others and serve others, but then we see so much selfishness. Like it can be, I think maybe frustrating or overwhelming or demoralizing. What, what would you say to those people that, that do want to help, but then they see people that are doing things that are almost feel like undoing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the central, the, the central word for all of my, uh, Anything that I would say about that, I mean, we could talk about that for hours probably, (laughs) but everything would circle around gratitude. Mm -hmm. So if people are being very, very selfish, a lot of times they've shifted away from really appreciating what they have Mm -hmm. and they've started to overemphasize all of the things that they want. 
Yeah. Right. And they create for themselves a hunger that will never be satisfied. Mm. That you, if you're completely selfish or if you're completely narcissistic, you will never get to the place where you feel fully satisfied. Never okay? content. Yeah. You're never, you're never really going to be content, right? Or you may be content for that half an hour after you buy that new car, mm-hmm. but then you're going to see somebody else who has a car that you yeah. want, whatever so, it is. So it makes so. me realize, I think, um, and it's something I've been thinking about the last week or so is the, the, the thing that helps us with contentment is loss. Mm. We, and to appreciate the thing that we now lost. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing from you as well? It's, it's a way it's, I think that's a no, lens it's not of that it. it's only, yeah. Yes. I think that's a lens of it. Um, I think we can do it. I, I think it's a triumph when we can uh, get to that state without loss. Mm-hmm. I think you can practice getting into that state just by uh, appreciating and being grateful for whatever it is. I was listening to somebody on the radio the other day. And of course this could be like the Philip, Philip K. Dick quote. I'm not going to be able to Google it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the person on the radio said, um, be, be grateful, like go down to the minutia of um, get up, getting up out of bed, uh, be thankful. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds mundane, but be thankful that you have a bed mm-hmm. and just spend a minute, just, just, just sit on the edge of your bed and just appreciate yeah. that you have a bed and consider what it would be like to not have a bed. Right, yeah. go and get a glass of water, and be and just for a moment, just consider what it would be like, not in some hokey way. Like, do you appreciate there are starving kids in Africa? Do you, you know, you better <laughs> eat every um, bite on your plate. But just a moment of of intentionality, a moment of mindfulness, of awareness mm-hmm. of what exactly we have. Right, mm-hmm. um, high speed internet right now. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we did not have high speed internet right now, but we were doing the same type of quarantine. Yeah. If it'd yeah, be a we're whole about, different game, whole different be, world. Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff that that has gotten um, our ability to to still keep things moving forward in this would not have happened. But our connectedness with others, even if even even if it's not perfect connectedness and it exhausts us in different ways, it's still something. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. So let's shift to talk about stories. Mm. They shape us. Narratives shape how we see the world. We're a creature that's, that love stories, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, movies, TV, books. So what are some of the stories, share, uh, parables, experiences that have shaped you? Yeah, um, that's a, that's, so you've basically asked a, nar- a narrative coach to say their favorite narrative, which is kind of like asking a, a video file what their favorite movie is, right? So I see everything. Maybe we just pick one good one. Yeah. It doesn't have to be yeah, the what's best a good one. one. What's a good one? So uh, narr- narratives, uh, I spend most of my day looking at people's narratives, right? And um, there are so many, somebody came out the other day with, um, uh, a list of movies from the eighties and they said, you can only pick three of these. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at those and I saw all of those different stories that were happening through movies. Yeah. And I thought all of those different things have had huge impacts on me and I would relate to certain characters and then I would rewatch them again later. And I would relate to that character differently. Um, I think right now uh, stories of narratives of hope are especially powerful to me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and narratives of, um, so, so for instance, um, Star Trek The Next Generation is something that uh, Jean-Luc Picard, um, uh, all the geeks out there can understand this and everybody else will go, oh great, he's gonna talk about Star Trek now. But um, The Next Generation was uh, about a place that we had gotten as humans where we had eliminated famine 
we had, you know, we eliminated hunger, we'd eliminated um, all these things and people were living in balance yeah. and then they were seeking out other races in the world and they are with an attempt to create balance with those other, other people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I feel like right now looking at all of these people and saying in my life, in my daily life, am I looking to seek this type of balance with the people that are around me? Yeah. And narratives are so easy to create for us that uh, we see somebody who's a certain color, we see somebody who's a certain um, height, uh, who dresses a certain way, anything. And we just, before we even realize it, we're, we're starting to create a narrative about that person. And then if we manage to get to know them, we find out that it's not even close, right? Mm. There's so many different things. I was just, I didn't plan to say anything about this today, but it just entered my mind. Yeah. Um, I was at the gas station the other day uh, or maybe it was even just yesterday, and uh, there was a car. I live in a, in a small city, Rome, Georgia, and I look behind me, and there are three people that I would probably say were in the good old boy southern kind of yeah. family. Like, they were enjoying the weather. They were going to, you know, go on a picnic or whatever, but they were all kind of in that kind of southern charm. But there was one person who was in the car that was dressed head to toe, almost like a gang member, uh, with uh, you know g- gang paraphernalia on and different different things that he looked like he was ripped right out of a uh, movie and <laughs> yeah. set right in the middle of this and he was getting in the car with them and he sat down and all of them are just talking with each other and of course I'm pumping gas and I'm doing this scanning of just looking around at everybody and he pulls out a, a, a gun and he's kind of just holding it around like this and all of the people are facing the other way. All the people in this is too long a story. They're all looking at me and he's looking at them. So he can't see what's going on. And they immediately assume my narrative is they're being kidnapped. Mm. Right. They immediately, and they're like, they're rolling their windows down and they're going, he's fine. He, he looks like a thug, but he's fine. This and that. And all I'm doing is going, how interesting is this, that this is a group of people that want to hang out with each other. Yeah. So they're panicking for me. They're thinking I'm about to call the cops, right? Mm-hmm. Because anyone who saw three people in a car and somebody else has a gun and they don't look like them, this is a bad situation. Yeah. And they were like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. And I was like, okay, you know, no problem. And then the guy turns around and he starts to talk to me and he's trying to reassure me. And I'm like, I'm fine, actually. I just, this is cool what I'm looking at. I think this is cool. And he starts to go even further. Like he's pulling out his permit to have the gun and he's telling me a story about whatever. And so they believe that in their own heads, this is so unusual. This is going to end in tragedy because I looked at them while he was flashing his gun around. Yeah. So I say um, that narratives go both ways, right? There are narratives Mm. that we see that inspire us. And there are also narratives that we use to kind of put things in boxes and it helps us to not appreciate the real situation that really is going on. Mm. Right. We, we, the narrative tells us what's happening versus us listening to what's happening and then shaping the narrative and then shaping the narrative. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Reflect it. So, so how does that apply to this crisis that we're in? How can we sort of extract that and, and understand the narratives that are affecting us and, and participate in making them mm-hmm. more, more um, tied to reality. So let me see if this answers the question. If it doesn't, we'll go another route. Um, uh, my wife was out um, 
uh, waiting to be able to pick up some strawberries from a strawberry farm that's not too far from here. Mm -hmm. And she has rolled down her window so that she can just get some fresh air. It's a really nice day. And there's a woman who's maybe 20 feet off. She can hear her very clearly, but the woman has rolled her window down and is shouting out of her window about the fact that people are not social distancing enough and they aren't wearing masks Mm -hmm. and they're getting out of their cars when they shouldn't. And uh, my wife is going, oh, this is interesting. And so she's looking around to see what's happening. And then the woman gets out of her car. Yeah. And she's still shouting. Nobody's, you know, everybody's getting out of their cars. Nobody has masks on. The woman doesn't have a mask on. Right? So she's seeing this world where everyone is doing the wrong thing Mm -hmm. without reflecting on whether or not she's doing the right or wrong thing by her own like she's created the narrative that people are not being responsible during the time that she herself was not by her own definition being responsible and there wasn't anybody pointing at her saying well you're not doing it either but that was her view her view Mm -hmm. was uh i'm not worried about me i'm fine it's Mm -hmm. all you people that i'm worried about who aren't following the rules right yeah and so then by the time that she was done she the woman wanted to commiserate with my wife about uh, the fact that nobody was social distancing by walking up to her open window and getting right in her face to talk to her about it. So she then was breaking the social distance. And it was, and, and Mary was just boggled at the fact that the woman did not have her own self-awareness to be able yeah. to recognize that she's criticizing everybody else, right? So the, the easiest thing for me right now is to say the narrative, the narrative is, is that we're all people we're mm-hmm. all in the, you know, as, as cheesy as it is, and as many times as we hear it, it could be a drinking game. Yeah. We're all in this together. We hear it so much or, you know, in these uncertain times. Um, but to, to think about, um, we are all the same, mm-hmm. right? Um, the amount of melatonin in your uh, skin or the place that you grew up mm-hmm. does not make you that different right now. Yeah. Um, and, and we can take it as an opportunity to just recognize, yep, we all could get killed by the same thing, mm-hmm. right? We could all suffer very badly. We could all lose family mm-hmm. members. We could all lose money and not have food to eat. All of these things could happen to any of us at any time. And that's true all the time, but we yeah. lose sight of it. We get mm-hmm. into other narratives that allow us to think about mm. other stuff, right? So right now, and, and of course, there are people that are skeptics and say, we aren't going to change. Human nature's not going to change. Um, as soon as this is over, people will just go right back to the way they were. But I don't think that's true for everybody. Yeah. I think that we. I think that there are people that are going to. Ch- this will shape their lives. Kids. Yeah. That, kids that are in the same way that the Great Depression affected the entire lives of those kids that came up with very little to eat or having to reuse the same piece of tin foil twenty times. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it shaped them, and I think that mm-hmm. this this will shape people in a positive way if we let it. Yeah, and I I guess one of the other things I'm hearing from you that's really interesting for me to think about is there are a lot of competing narratives and it's really a matter of what's the dominant narrative. Mm, Yeah, And I think as Christians, we do have this, um, and to go back to to Andy Stanley in a recent message he Mm -hmm. did, Messy Middle, what he talked about was as Christians, we believe there is worse news, which is, death and sin and there is better news which is the resurrection of christ and those supersede the narrative of this crisis which has both good news and bad news right but we actually live in a narrative that that transcends both of those in the moment and that larger narrative yeah informs us what we believe and what we do 
but it also, if we hold on to that, it's a filter for all these other competing narratives that may distract us from the most important one. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, I don't mean to jump into a TV show straight from uh, an Andy Stanley quote because yeah. <laughs> I really want that to land what you just said. I think that I think anything, m most of what Andy Stanley says, I feel like you should you should just be like, okay, that's it for the day. I'm just going to spend the rest of the day resonating on what Andy said. Yeah. But, um, I recently rewatched uh, the first couple of episodes of the TV show Lost because mm. when it came out originally, I was a huge fan of it and I could not wait every week for yeah. the next episode to come out. But um, there, it's this story of all of these people who could not be any different from one another, mm. who are all put into exactly the same circumstances at exactly the same time and they need to survive. Yeah. And you see them become friends. Mm -hmm. And if all of those same people were just, you know, uh, meeting on the street or whatever, yeah. it almost didn't, it almost met their past almost didn't matter anymore. It was it didn't. starting over in a sense. Yeah. And, and when people found out about each other's past during the show, there was not a, uh, oh, well you have a past. And so therefore I abandon you. It's still vital that we work together, right? Yeah. This is still vital we are vital mm -hmm. to each other. And yeah. so we don't really need more things to divide us. We really need to be spending more time recognizing. Yeah. That, right. That, yeah. that um, it is, uh, it is the circumstance, this terrible circumstance that we're all in together mm -hmm. is another example that we're, we're all unified, right? Yeah. We're all, we, we can all work together. Um, and, and then we can alternatively choose to be selfish or petty or um, greedy or uh, competitive for no reason, right? Mm -hmm. and, and cause pain instead of causing all of us to move forward together. So I think right now, uh, anybody who is listening to this and anybody who is um, a follower of Jason Montoya, I think uh, all, of, all of your work is always about um, getting, gaining clarity, seeing what types of narratives there are, seeing what types of, of um, gaps that you're missing, mm -hmm. and, then, and then planning for those and, and working yeah. towards, towards those things. And that's what we should be doing right now, you know, with all this extra time that we've got and with all the solitude is let this be a time of rebuilding yeah. and of, of clarity and of self-awareness. And of, uh, uh, I recently um, re-looked re at my Enneagram uh, results. And that's why it's so top of mind today is because um, I was leading another group through, uh, through their Enneagrams. And I went back and I reread through mine. And a lot of the things that were in there, I don't know if I, um, if I hadn't been slowed down so much and had extra time because of, of the crisis right now, if I would have reflected the same depth with the same depth mm. about the things I can work on in my own personality. Right. Yeah. And so when it hit me, it was like, oh, wow, this feels even deeper than when I read it the first time yeah. because, because life is different right now and, mm -hmm. and focus is different and clarity is different. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to kind of think about and it's, there's so much to it and uh, it's just, you know, I think I'll, I'll have to ruminate and just see where that, that, how that unfolds over mm -hmm. the next few weeks. So let's, let's shift again. Let's talk about systems. Mm -hmm. So we're all part of and creator of systems. And these ecosystems direct, they inform how we act. So narratives are one thing, but systems are another, and, and they, they do tie together. But tell us what you think about systems and, and how you use them and how we should look at them. And, and um, yeah. 
Yeah. In my, in my own personal life, I would be absolutely nowhere and no good to anyone <laughs> if it wasn't for two things, my lists and my <laughs> calendar, right? If I didn't have a calendar that functioned like it does and I didn't have my lists, I would forget and fail to do everything. <laughs> it, it just, nothing would happen. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm just, that's my natural personality type. If you, if I don't with intentionality and focus um, follow these systems, then uh, now I, I don't think I can turn my web camera to where you can see it, but on my wall over to my right is a big white board uh, that is broken up into sections and IDEMA is across the top of it. Mm. Um, ideate, discover, execute, maintain, and audit. Yeah. And there are post-it notes underneath it that are, that are um, talking about where things are right now. Where are the ideas? Where yeah. are the responsibilities? What do we need to be thinking about in relationships to those things? If I didn't have that, if I didn't have mm -hmm. uh, my workflowy system where I'm constantly capturing all the ideas so that I don't have to hold them in my own brain, which yeah. is a little bit getting things done, a little bit edema, yeah. um, a little bit daily pages for writers, mm -hmm. you know, um, constantly uh, getting yeah. stuff out of your head. But, um, but without, without, without I, I, I think when you feel overwhelmed, um, I, I know it sounds a little cheesy to say go and journal, yeah. Um, but doing your own version of whether journaling for you is doing a video on your own phone for yourself later on, or it's sitting down and typing or writing mm -hmm. on a piece of paper or whatever it is. Pick the medium that we, we can yeah. work with. Yeah. Pick the medium that fits you and yeah. then, and then get that stuff out of your head. Cause if everything's bumping together in there and you don't really feel a sense of peace and calm and clarity, um, the quarantine is scarier. Right. Yeah. So systems during a time of crisis are the thing that can help us to get through the crisis. Yeah. And so I would already be lost, but I, I certainly <laughs> can tell you any given day that I wake up to the alarm, uh, pre-crisis, pre-quarantine pre and coronavirus, I could have told you as soon as I woke up exactly what day it was and what my responsibilities were because I reviewed it the night before and yeah. it probably was in my dreams. Mm. Right. Now I wake your, up. Your brain defragmented. <laughs> yeah, it like, it's like a defrag. The next, right now, whatever's going on with, with how I sleep or how I function or where I am all day long or whatever it is, I do not have any idea what day of the week it is when my alarm goes off in the morning. Yeah. I don't know what time it is. I, don't, I mean, even though I set the alarm, I don't even know what time it is. I'm like, ah, oh, what is that noise? <laughs> yeah. It's very, very different. And I can tell that the, the, and the environment that we're in and the way that this is hitting us all, if it weren't for my systems, my alarm clock waking me up mm -hmm. before this, um, I, I was trained to wake up at six o'clock AM every morning because my son would go to school. Yeah. As soon as he no longer was going to school, my, it, I, I no longer had to get up at six because yeah. number one, I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> and two, at any, any place that I did need to be virtually, I didn't need to be for several hours. Yeah. You had so a lot of margin. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of margin for error. And so just sleeping in until the puppy needed to go out uh, to use the restroom, mm -hmm. um, was fine. And the puppy yeah. would wake me up. Yeah. And, uh, before that, I could have woken. I could have woken up immediately at six o'clock a.m. Like five fifty-nine, my eyes would open, and then the alarm would go off. Right, yeah. and I'd be like, "It's Tuesday, yeah. and I've got a class tonight." So, it, what you know, one of the things I've been thinking about the last few weeks, as well as, I love systems, and and they can be very fruitful. Um, but I, I think you're kind of hitting at it a little bit. Is what? Ha when does a system become tyrannical, and how do we address it when it does? Oh wow, what a good what a good question. What a good question. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like anything that helps us could also hurt us, 
So when a system uh, takes you to a place, if creativity is necessary in your world and your system has now become so tyrannical that you can no longer be creative, Mm. it's time to ease back on it. Um, if it causes, if your system is so tyrannical that you're spending so much time maintaining the system that you're not actually getting anything done anymore, right? You have now logged so many hours just dealing with system things yeah. that you can't actually do, or your quality of what you do is less because you're spending so much focus, right? So it's almost like, uh, what is it? No, this is a terrible metaphor. The rearranging <laughs> deck chairs on the Titanic, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, sometimes we find ourselves just moving things around onto our to-do list or re-looking at our system or how is you know, we're yeah. optimizing things when there's a fire over there that needs to be put out. Yeah. So sometimes it's easier for us to mess, uh, depending on our personality type, it's easier for us to mess with systems yeah. and think about systems than it is to actually get work done. Okay. So there's a danger there. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I don't feel like I quite answered your question though. So maybe what what else is in that question that I'm not hitting on? Well, I think um, the the thing I would add is if you're not the if you're the subject of the system but not the controller, mm. a system that is controlling me that I'm yeah. I'm so I, you're, I am, you're in other words you might have a system that makes your wife miserable mm. and maybe it gives you a sense of peace because you have control oh, but she's like right. oh my goodness how do our, or maybe, how do our yeah yeah so i mean either that or you know all the vats of brains you know how you keep those in you sure. know, uh, well it's a lot of electricity because <laughs> keeping all those brains alive yeah so i mean you're doing it at the expense of all these people whose lives mm-hmm. are destroyed so to their families i say i'm terribly sorry <laughs> i thought it was a good idea at the time and now i just <laughs> A victim of my own. So how how do their families interact with your tyrannical system? Here? Yes, they they are. Well, they're still looking for them because I I, I don't just take them from uh, I don't take them from local. Okay, people are going to believe that I'm actually kidnapping people and taking their reins. No, I think uh, going back to your actual uh, what you're actually talking about, I think that's fantastic. As a coach, I immediately your question about what happens when a system that's outside of you that you don't control is affecting you. Right. And so I think sometimes um, people will resist those systems and sometimes they will go completely just noodle limp and and Mm -hmm. just succumb to the system. And I feel (laughs) like there's a there's a healthy medium to how we deal with all of these systems. Right. There should be a little bit of us questioning whatever the system is. Yeah. There should also be um, a respect for the uh, for the sense of calm that a system can allow for us. Right. So if we fight too hard against any system. Right. Then we are wrecking for ourselves the benefit of that system. But if we're too limp and go along with it, there's a chance for that tyrannical system to lose its own way and to become such a monster that it... You know, in the movie trilogy that kind of really embraces that idea is The Matrix. Yes. And it's sort of this sense of pushing back on the system, but there is also a sense of, I am a part of the system, so I have to... What's what's the role I'm going to play in that system? Mm -hmm. And, And how do we change the system for the better. Right. Right. How do you, yeah. Changing the system while you're a part of the system, changing a system when you're not a part of the system, right? All of these different things. There's so many good stories that are about what, what do I have control over or perception of control over and what do I not? Yeah. And what, what should we have control over and what yeah. should we not? Right. And so that kind of reminds me, I wrote an article for relevant magazine 
a couple months ago, and the idea was that Christianity changed the Roman Empire. It changed the system from article. the inside out. Yeah, and it was done at an individual level. At done, you know, many individuals doing that in these crises, and they changed it from the inside out. And it and 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 it took a few centuries to two or three centuries to do that, but they did it, and that was pretty phenomenal to to yeah. sort of understand. Yeah. Um... I don't, I don't want to make, I, I don't really like getting into um, the politics of it all because I feel like there's enough out there that, that, that is already leaning that way. But I feel like um, when you look at how different countries responded mm -hmm. um, systematically to the crisis yeah, and you combine the system with the narrative, mm. right? And if we tell ourselves a certain narrative and then our system is supporting that narrative, then we watch how the same thing that other people are surviving, like this country had very few people uh, die yeah. and this country is just a big pile of bodies. And why? It has a lot to do with the system that was in place, mm -hmm. how quickly they put it in place, whether or not they're really thinking things through and all that is based on a narrative, right? Yeah. So, so I think that um, if the system isn't taking care of you, then there should be pushback, right? There yeah. should be, and, right? and probably we're probably responding differently based on how it is affecting us in yes. negative or positive ways, and and health and economic and so on and so forth. So, so I mean, here we are. We find ourselves in this really rough situation. You know, life can just be hard. It can be challenging. It can be also prosperous and joyful mm -hmm. and wonderful. So, what would be some of your final words of advice for for us as we? travel through life and through this pandemic that we're now in? I'd say awareness, simplicity, and gratitude. Mm. Just being as mindful and aware as we can throughout our day. Yeah. Right. Keeping it as simple as possible. Right. If it starts to, if it starts to spiral or go off the rails on you, mm. take it back to what's simple, right? Take it back yeah. to our, our needs, take it back to our family, take it back to our, uh, the oxygen that we're breathing and, and, mm -hmm. you know, go, get simple with it again. And then um, be grateful, just taking a moment to be grateful about things that you have can change a mood and that mood might've been building towards a really terrible mood, which led to a terrible action. Right. Yeah. So in many cases, just, just taking a moment, be mindful, be, be in the moment, right. Yeah. Keep it, keep it simple right now. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple. And, and what is, what are the real needs? And then be yeah. grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share that we didn't get to or that we skipped or that I didn't ask you about that no, you wanted to I, share? No, no. I think that this has been a great time together. I love that you're doing this series. Um, I think, I think right now people are listening differently. I know that at some point in time, uh, podcasts were mostly consumed in cars while people were driving to and from. And so for a little while, nobody was listening to podcasts. And then suddenly uh, people are listening and consuming information again, right? It's kind of like we, and that, that little hump that we went, uh, went mm. through with the quarantine of like, okay, I've got to make sure that we've got toilet paper. All we got to think about <laughs> for the next 48 hours is toilet paper. Yeah. And then they got past that and now they're coming back to these places. Mm, so, building new habits, I guess, yeah. because we're not driving. Yeah. Because I know yeah. my... I'm having to do that. It's like, okay, when am I going to listen to this? Cause I'm not driving as much. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I think people are picking up different, um, different ways to, to take time for the things that we care about. Mm -hmm. Um, I, even saying this, I'm realizing I have a very, very deep relationship 
with the McElroy brothers that do My Brother, My Brother and Me. It's a podcast. Um, okay. It's, it's a really, it's a fake advice show. And these guys okay. are hilarious. <laughs> now the relationship they have with them is completely one-sided. They don't know who I am. I've yeah. never met. It's, <laughs> but they were such a part of my day to day for so long. I mean, it's one of the longest running podcasts that are out there. And I just realized, as you said, as we were talking about this just now, that I feel like I've betrayed them somehow and that I mm. haven't found the time to listen to their podcast. Such yeah. an interesting idea to pop in. They don't know. They don't care. Yeah, right? I'm one number, but but isn't you know? It, yeah, it's, it's 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 a part of our life that we didn't really notice is suddenly mm-hmm. gone, and when we well, recognize it, you know. Yeah, and I guess on a similar note, you know, um, Ravi Sakharias recently just passed away, and and he. <gasps> How did I miss that news? When did Ravi pass away? This week. Um, I yeah. did not hear that. Yeah, so I'm sorry to be the, the bearer of bad news, but it and it's sad, um, but. And to that same point, it's like he was so transformative in my journey. I probably listened to several hundred hours of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know me in any right. way, but he's had an, an, an immense impact on me that will have, you know, a ripple effect in my life and in the lives of those that I affect. And it's just, it's, it's un, unknowable because of how, how much of a transformation he had. And yeah. so this person that I've never met, but because of the way that he's influenced me through resources and technology has just been profound. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I guess anything else, any other, uh, in, anything else hiding in that brain of yours? That Always. Maybe we should I mean, start harvesting. I'm, 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 I'm dangerous, Jason. I think I'm like, I think you and I are both dangerous because we think so much and we're so, uh, we so easily outspoken about things. We could go on for hours and hours and hours. So yes, there are so many things, but, but I, I, I really do think keeping it simple right now is probably. Yeah, yeah I do like that. And, and this could be a time to audit to kind of go, okay, where, where can yes. I actually make things simpler than mm-hmm. I've overcomplicated? So tell us about, um, you know, where, where are you at? How can people connect with you? If they're interested sure. in working with you, what does that mean? You know, yeah. let's give us the, the lowdown and, and, and where, if they're interested in sort of volunteering for you to, vol- to harvest their That's brains, right. you know, if where, they where do they go? want me to <laughs> take their brain? Another, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, do more improv is the best place to find me uh, because. Dot com. Uh, yes. So that's D-U-M-O-R-E improv.com. Okay. Um, that's where uh, Allison, uh, my, my friend's uh, business is, and that's where I do a majority of my work okay. is through that. Um, you can also go to jimcarwish.com, which I won't even try and spell. Um, we can maybe put it <laughs> in the description the link, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, just put the link down there. Um, yeah. And does that uh, have links to your podcasts and your... Um, mm-hmm. And there's of... also improvinaction.com, okay. Okay. Uh, which is all content. It's all okay. just uh, podcasts and articles and workshops, uh, but they're all just related to improvisation. Um, not That's not an actual like moneymaker website. That is just putting things out there for the okay. betterment of others. And then social media, what are you doing there? You know, right now I've been really uh, chilling with social media just because I'm keeping things simple. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of people breaking out in fights and that kind of stuff. So I've been, I've been keeping it kind of simple. Um, so I, I would probably say, are you just uh, like doing real fights in the street? Is that kind of I what do. you're trying to say? Because how <laughs> else are you going to get their brain? You got to knock them out because they won't let you take the brain out of their head, Jason. I don't know if so you know should we tell not. everyone about your fight club in Rome, Georgia? <laughs> That's right. My fight club that leads to harvesting brains. <laughs> now, um, 
like who's if someone is interested in working with you or do more problem like who how do they know if they're a good fit for you um, uh, that's the first thing that I do when I, when I work with people is my first assumption in a discovery call is that uh, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical that I'm going to be the right person to help this person. And I do that because sales would be the easiest way to go, right? Here comes a person, their potential lead for, for coaching. I'll, I need to grab this. Got to make sure they're my client. And that is a terrible way to find a coach, right? Mm -hmm. So my original assumption is, I'm going to just check and see, right? Um, they're a good fit for me if, um, if it's harder for them to explain why they're not getting to the place that they want to get or what exactly, right? They're, maybe they're not feeling enough clarity. Maybe their own narrative is getting in their way a little bit or their belief in themselves, their confidence. Yeah. Something is making it hard for them and they're trying to get over that inertia or they're trying to move forward. We might be a good fit. Um, okay. Uh, people that have uh, that enjoy a sense of humor and enjoy um, levity within difficult circumstances often like to work with me. Mm. Um, it's uh, because I, I like to, um, I think it's great if, if you end up crying about something within the same five minutes, if you're laughing about something too, there's a feeling of, of transcendence yeah. and hope and, and, you know, yeah, that's good. Future. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything and sharing your life with us today. You're welcome, and thank you for making this possible. I appreciate it. Uh, listen to the, uh, listen to these, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to all the cool stuff that you're doing. And what books three, four, five, six, right? Jason Montoya's books. Just uh, I'm taking a break from writing this year, but yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. There's there's more on the horizon. So. Before I turn around, I'm sure there will be six or seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quick quickly, right? So quickly, quickly. All, all right. right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great. All right, see ya. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Grow Your Life.